All right, we are live. Welcome to the Thursday, July 15th edition of the MAOB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin on Thursday afternoon, joined by my boy here, Mr. AJ Shulo, AJ's MMA betting. AJ, what's up, man? What's up? Uh, we got Bellator and UFC this week. We're coming off a spectacular pay-per-view event. And uh, yeah, I mean, what more uh, What more can we ask for as fight fans? No, absolutely, AJ. I, I didn't even get a chance to talk to you about that card, AJ. I mean, we do have we do have an hour. So you know what? Let me talk to you quickly about 264. I believe it was a good night for you. I, I think you had Brad, I know you told me you had Brad Tavares. That was one of your, your bets. And I don't know if you saw, Mario Bennett got cut by the UFC this week. So I guess the loser of that fight was going to be released just because of the styles, I, I assume. But he got released yesterday following the loss. Yeah. Apparently his contract's over, but still, I mean, they didn't resign him. He's a number 15 ranked guy. I know you like that one, AJ. But what the main event, though? Um, give me your thoughts on the ending. I think to me, like, I already talked to Marcelo about this, this week, but my thoughts are, AJ, we saw this fight three times now. And we know that Dustin Poirier is the better fighter and the superior MMA fighter. And I personally don't have a ton of interest in the fourth fight. But at the same time, from the promotional point of view, especially now that Connor's, you know, he's, getting, he's healing up from the surgery from the leg. He said he's going to come back next year. I could see them doing it next year, but I, I personally have an interest. So give me your thoughts on the fight, AJ, because I haven't talked to you about it yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, Poirier was winning the fight clear up until the stoppage. I don't think there's really a debate for that. And, you know, even those up kicks that Connor landed, uh, you know, there was, Poirier was saying how Connor was grabbing his glove and uh, that basically lured Poirier in because it was so perplexing to me, at least, why Poirier let him up. And uh, it all makes sense now hearing his interview. Um, I mean, I'm not ready to say that for sure if the fight played out, Connor would have, or uh, Poirier would have won because we saw uh, Chandler versus Oliveira. Chandler dominates the first round, Oliveira knocks him out the second. So it's no clear. Um, it's not so clear like that in this game, but yeah, I think we know who the better fighter is to your point. Um, if they do a fourth fight, that's great. I'm still not sold that it happens though, because it's one thing to say it right after the press conference, after something happens, but, uh, you know, as more events take place, as time goes on, things are obviously subject to change. So, uh, we do have a clear fighter for Poirier next. It's going to be Oliveira as for McGregor. He needs to heal up, uh, before we talk about getting him in there again. But, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we saw who the better fighter is at, at this point. It's Dustin Poirier. He's a better grappler. It's a better striker. Uh, he's got more heart. He's got better cardio, all that good stuff. So, um, of course, if they fight again, connor has got a chance. But now it seems that uh, people are more and more sold that uh, Dustin is the better fighter. And, and I am there as well. Yeah, so am I. And I, honestly, I was there. Like I told you last week, AJ, I, I was watching that second fight again. And it was so obvious to me he's the better fighter. But... That, that threat of the knockout scared me off, AJ. It was just because I respect Connor so much for his power, but I do think he's on a decline. But at the same time, I mean, losing to Poirier, there's nothing to scoff at that. Okay. Um, anything else you want to talk about from 264? You want to move on to, to the Belgian card and tough? Anything else you want to? Um, I am pretty surprised with the Akhmedov cut. Uh, Let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? It, what like, it, wasn't a, uh, it was a pretty competitive fight. I, I thought he lost for sure. T- probably 29-28. So I think Tavares definitely deserved the win, but... I'm assuming AJ is just the style. These guys are both kind of decision machines, and we know the UFC prefers um, high-action-paced strikers and guys that are, if they're going to grapple, they're going to go for the finish. So I guess I could see why they they, they they did they did release them, but at the same time, AJ, number 15-ranked guy, you're a little perplexed by it, huh? Yeah, and it almost makes me think that they're going to cut Ryan Hall. I, I see that they haven't done it yet, but honestly, they might cut him too based on the style, and now that he's lost once, they got a reason to. Uh yeah, I mean, uh, not every fight could look like Pereira versus Price. I get that. But at the same time, 
I, I just feel like that's not a guy you should be cutting. I know that there was yeah. a circumstance with this contract, but there's so much stuff that goes behind the scenes that, you know, who exactly. am I to really say? You said that last week. You made that point, Andrew. You're like, what do we really know what's going on with these contract negotiations? We only see the surface of it. So there probably yeah. was something else going on. Price Perea, it was my personal pick for fight of the night. Marcel actually thought so too. Most people, including my fiance, thought Moutinho and O'Malley. So no, no question that they were going to get it from the UFC. That fight though, Andrew, before we move on, that guy's chin, how – it's a legendary chin, right? Like after that fight. Well, it's especially crazy because he was getting rocked a bunch on the regionals and knocked out. And um, yeah, t- the fact that it held up that long was crazy. I mean, obviously he just got his ass kicked from bell to bell. Uh, but at least on his, uh, on the good thing with him, he got a 50 K bonus out of it. And, uh, 75 K AJ, they upped it for this card. 75 K. 75 K. I actually think they did that the last time Connor fought as well. Um so yeah, it's. Uh, it, I mean, I'm happy for the kid. I just uh, for his longevity's sake, that's uh, that probably wasn't the best uh, fight for yeah, him. Yeah, it was an entertaining fight, but he took a beating. Let me get this card from Kinshiro. What's great is this sold 1.8 million pay per views. That is correct. That's a fact um, now. So the fourth rematch will sell 2.2. Connor's amazing. The more he loses in the UFC, the more money he makes. <laughs> He's not wrong. I think you're right, Kinshiro. I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head here. Like, you know, my immediate thought following fight was this guy's stock has never been lower, but. A week, like a few days, I didn't say a week, like it's been like five or six. It's crazy, right? It, today's already Thursday, AJ. I feel like this was just yesterday where he broke his leg. You know what I mean? We're already yeah. on Thursday now. He's had surgery. Now he's talking. Now he's saying he's coming back. He's going to come back in a year. Dana White's confident he's making his return. So my initial thoughts on Monday were, I don't want to see this fight again. I don't think it's going to happen. Now I'm like, all right, we're probably going to end up seeing this fight at some point. And he says he wants to adopt Connor's baby. He's got three of them now, actually. Listen, I mean, the guy is the biggest star in the sport. I was talking about this with uh, – some other journalist, AJ, we were just saying, like, this guy's a content machine. Like, without Connor and before him, I guess, Ronda, there's always going to be these trailblazing stars, but Connor still is the gift that keeps on giving. That's what I said. Because, AJ, I still write about this guy every day. I'm still writing about this dude every day. That's part of my job. I, I wake up every morning knowing I'm probably going to have to write about Connor McGregor today. You know, and I just know it's part of the job. So, you know, as much as you want to slag in the guy, and trust me, some of the comments he made, AJ, I, I don't agree with some of the, the, the death threats and stuff. That's a little bit too far, in my opinion. Like, yeah, it's the fight game. I don't think you should be bringing people's families into it, their wives and children. That is a little bit too far. But from a fighting perspective, from a promotional perspective, from just the entertainment perspective, AJ, it doesn't get much better than Conor McGregor. It's a little bit about it. Dane asked Dusty he wants to be Conor 12th time for 18 million. Dude, I, was talking, I made the joke on Monday, AJ. This might be the first time we see 20 fights between two guys in UFC history, but... I actually think we might see the first four and five. I don't know what that's called. Like, obviously, a trilogy is three. Was it a quadrilogy is four? That's, you might see the first one ever in MMA history or UFC history. It has happened in MMA. Andre Orlovsky and Tim Sylvia fought four times. I believe the fourth fight was a no contest and one championship, too. So they could fight a fifth time. I, you know, at some point, though, it's like, do we need to keep seeing the rematch? There's other fights out there. So that, that's my opinion. Last words on 264 before we move on. Yeah, I think it's just honestly a lack of acceptance. Why? People like because if Dustin goes out there and beats him again, people are going to ask for a fifth fight, and they just want to keep asking it until they see Connor get the better of this fight. And just we got to move on eventually, right? I mean, these guys they they can only fight for so long. They can only fight the same guy for so long consecutively. And look, Connor's a great fighter. I mean, losing these two fights, in my opinion, doesn't make his stock go down. He's always been a tremendous talent. So to me, I'm going to go watch it if they make it the fourth time. But I don't feel like it's. uh it's set in stone. It's going to happen for sure. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Okay, let's talk about tough because uh, I mean, you talk about it every Thursday now. Look at this last conference, Kinshiro. Kinshiro, I appreciate the comments. Can anyone blame Dustin for keep fighting Connor? No, and I especially can't blame him for taking this fight now instead of fighting Oliver because 
you know, again, I mean, the, the amount of money he's made, he made for this third fight compared to if he fought Oliveira, uh, it's night and day. It really is. Okay, so tough, AJ. Let's talk a little bit about tough 29. I just watched it last night. Let me pull the fight up. It was a great fight. We had Josh Reddinghouse taking on Brady Heiston. Uh, majority decision win here for uh, Brady Heiston, um, AJ. And it was a pretty much a back-and-forth war, but ultimately the younger, fresher guy ends up winning the fight. Uh, I think this kid's definitely got a high ceiling. What do, you th- what do you think of the fight, man? What do you think of his performance? Yeah, how crazy is it that we had our, our two f- best fights of the season happen back-to-back episodes? And, uh, yeah, Team Volkanovski makes the series 4-3. I did think Brady looked good. Um, we saw he has issues with his striking defense. He got rocked and clipped a little bit there. But I really liked his relentlessness with the with the wrestling and the grappling. He, just, he has a strong will to win. He dug deep. He got tired, but he still pushed through it. Yeah, I think this kid's good, man, because Reddinghouse is uh, – Speaking of of the card this week for the UFC, he's a guy that's fought uh, Morozov, Sergey Morozov, on that card twice actually. So he's a, he's definitely a very tested guy. He fought over an M one actually, which is which is a high, which is good regional promotion in my opinion at least. So yeah, Brady getting this win, even though it's an exhibition fight, I think is a is a big deal for him because he's so young and he's uh, how crazy that this dude works with the fight with the fire department and he goes out there and fights. I mean, uh, yeah, if you're very bright future for this kid, I hope that whatever he does, he's able to. Uh, pursue his uh, passion with an all-in manner. He's able, able to, you know, have enough time to commit to whatever he wants to commit to. Uh, you're on mute, bud. You're... <laughs> of course, I was trying to say something. I was on mute. My bad. Um, I'm like, why can I? Why can't you hear me? No. What I was going to say was, it still amazes me that we still have these fighters. And obviously, he's not in the UFC yet, but these talented guys that are not full-time fighters. They're st- they're not full-time athletes. They have to work second jobs. And this guy obviously very passionate about what he does, but hopefully he's able to, you know, train full-time AJ at the PI, get a full-time camp at one of those camps in Vegas or something and, and make a career of it because this kid's very talented. And for Reddinghouse, this is a tough loss. I think he was the oldest guy in the house. And this is probably his last chance at the UFC, I would guess. So he's a decent fighter, but obviously came up short here. And I mean, you look at the talent, AJ, quickly, um, we're almost done the uh, the quarterfinals. There's just one fight left next week with, Gilbert Arena, but just going through the, the bandway brackets here. I don't know if you want to give your quick thoughts on some of these upcoming matchups. You got Ludwig uh, Chalinian against Vince Murdoch. I mean, I would assume there's no odds for these, but Vince would be favored, I would guess. But honestly, Ludwig looked really good in his first fight, and he could win that fight. And the other one's Tercios against Heisen, and that is a great fight. Two of the, the best prospects in this division. I'm looking forward to that one. And then at middleweight, we have. Andre Petrovsky, a guy that we were talking about the first episode, I think, and he's obviously very good against Trishan Gore, who's very good, and Brian Battle, who looked great against either uh, Urbina or Hunsinger. So I get it, guys. Like, there's not huge names on this. I know a lot of people aren't watching it, and honestly, like, it's not like the, the coaches are the most <laughs> charismatic guys, but there's some good fights coming up, AJ, some talented guys. So any quick thoughts on these fights coming up? Yeah, I think Ricky and Brady is the one that I am looking forward to the most. They both come to fight, and, yeah, they're both – Really young, talented prospects. I I like them both. I think they're both well rounded. I'm looking forward to Gore and Petrovsky of two, and and Brian Battle versus whoever wins between Hunsinger and Urbina. I'm looking forward to them all. Yeah, uh, Murdoch and uh, Ludovic. That should be a fun fight as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to them all. Uh, like we talked about, you get a head start on tape study. Nobody's really watching it, so there's a intriguing betting opportunity that presents itself during the Ultimate Fighter finale, like there usually is. Going to be all over that. So. Yeah, and my question, I mean, it's not really to you. It's more just like in general. Like, I wonder how many of these guys are actually going to end up making the, um, the the UFC because I believe that they're not doing, like, their own card for this show, which what they used to do in the past. They would have a card, AJ, and obviously you'd have the finalists and stuff. You'd also have a couple guys that the UFC liked that they would bring back. But 
I'm assuming that the finalists will both fight at 266. And I don't know if who else is going to be brought in, but I do think there is quite a bit of talent. Even some of these guys that obviously only one guy's going to end up winning each, each tournament. But I think there is quite a bit of talent on the season that um, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these guys. And even if they don't get in right away, AJ, short notice fights, different opportunities always pop up. So there's definitely some guys here that look pretty good. Okay, let's do Bellator, AJ. Let's talk about Bellator 262. I'm going to pull it up here. Just give me your initial thoughts on the card. Obviously, I know you've been working hard, hard on it all week. Just as an overall card, any thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, I, this is not the strongest card that we've seen in recent time. Uh, just being honest. I mean, I'm still going to watch it. I'm still going to enjoy it, but just from a comparable perspective, I mean, you do have Tyrell fortune on here, a bright prospect facing a veteran in Mitrio, And that's a, you know, <laughs> interesting clash there. Uh, you got the flight, the women's flyweight title on the line. I mean, that's exciting between Denise Kielholtz and Juliana Vasquez. So, um, but beyond that, it doesn't have a ton of depth. I mean, Arlene Blanco, Diana Silva, you know, they got they definitely have a, a big name in the featherweight division. Uh, Eblin, Johnny Eblin's a good prospect. So it's got a little bit of everything. But at the same time, you got some prelim fighters as well that are very intri- intriguing spots. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to like it. But eh, it's just kind of okay is how I feel about it. This one is – and honestly, like, if I if I wasn't such a huge MMA fan and UFC fan – you know, I, I don't know if I'd watch these cards, but I'm, I'm, I'll probably end up watching it because I, I love this sport. But the UFC card, I was talking to someone else, and I was like, if you're going to k- skip one, this is the weekend to do something else, you know, if, if you're able to, I would say. The, same with Bellator. Um, it's not the best card in the world, but I'm, I'm still going to end up probably watching it um, and talking about it. Pavlo's in here. He's saying Jobly Evans good. He is good. The other guy that's good is that other Johnny guy. Uh, the guy who knocked out Henry Cross. What's his name again? Johnny oh, – what's his, the cupcake, cup, Cupcakes guy. Johnny Cupcakes – Sorry, I, gotta I don't think it's Soto. His last name's uh... – I'm so sorry, guys. I should know this. Campbell. Johnny Campbell. Okay. So Uh-oh. this guy – okay, he's not fighting this card, but uh, AJ, this guy's he's coming off the win over Henry Kraus. He's on a six-fight win streak with the win over Chris Coutinho by knockout as well. That's the guy I was thinking about. So this guy is actually decent. He's um, He fought to her- Corrales in May and, not- and submitted him, dropped him and submitted him. That's a guy to look out for. Um, and I was going to say, the guy he lost to last year where he had the ear ripped off, Ari Farias, is fighting on, on this weekend at the LFA card. We'll talk about that LFA card a little bit later. So there's some good prospects, actually, guys, if you look. But you got to dig a little bit. Because um, you're saying that it's a decent Bellator card. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, we were talking about uh, Johnny Johnny Campbell. He was just – I didn't remember his last name, Pablo. Okay, let's do this card. Um, let's go through it, AJ. One sec. Bellator 262. We'll go through the fights here, guys. Again, some of the prelims, well, you know, the odds are a little bit inflated, so it's not like you have to spend a lot of time talking about them. Let's go through this one first. Charlie Campbell against Nick Galetti. Charlie the Cannibal Ca- Campbell. That's a pretty good nickname, actually. Um, odds for this one, AJ. Minus 350 for the favorite Campbell, plus 290 for Galetti. Any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I like Campbell here. I don't love him, but I, I like him. I think he's a better fighter. Lines warranted, and... uh you know, it's it's just so fascinating with with these with these betting lines. It's just like, where do they get this intel from? You got a guy that's yeah. only fought the decision once, and um, I mean, we were breaking it a few Bellator cards ago. There was that guy that came in with an O and O record. He was a massive favorite. It was a wrestler dude. He got knocked out in the first round. Remember that? It was crazy. Um, so yeah, no way would I ever lay the chalk in these spots. I just think that it's just throwing a dart on something that I don't even know what I'm investing myself in. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. And Pavel, I agree. Cody Law is really good. He's all, he's another big favorite here, but we'll talk about his fight in a sec. Um, I'm with you. I think Campbell probably wins, 
But again, you know, a guy with four fights, AJ, is this the guy you want to invest three, three and a half to one on? I don't know. And the other thing I'll say is to the point you made, you know, I think for Bellator, at least like these guys, there is some footage out there and stuff. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I wonder like what, like, I wonder what the, if the matchmakers tell these odds makers stuff, like, because I want like the LFA card, there's a lot of guys that we've never heard of on that card, but there's odds and almost half the odds for that card opened at minus 200 plus 160. So I'm assuming that someone in the matchmaker is probably like, yeah, this guy should be favored. And they just went ahead and put that default line out. So that's what I was thinking about. Um, and who was that wrestler you guys were talking about? I know what you're talking about. He got knocked out like I think two cards ago. Can't remember yeah. his name. All right, Johnny Soto. Sorry, this isn't the Johnny I was talking about, but this guy is, is obviously uh, decent here and taking an Aldi uh, Benjolini and right now the odds for this one. Um, AJ Soto, slight favorite, minus 125. Benjolini, plus 105. Any thoughts on this one? Pick him, fight. Yeah, I like Soto here. I was impressed with how he looked against Salmeida. He was a big underdog in that spot, and he really nullified him with his with his wrestling and grappling. I thought that was a really smart game plan of him to do. Um, it got a little sketchy for him there in a couple moments, but, I mean, I got to tip my hat off to the guy. I mean, he just really shut everybody up that was doubting him with that performance. And um, I do think he'll be tested here, but uh, I just think he's the guy on more momentum. Uh, he's been underrated in the past. I, I think he wins. Yeah, no, I think so too. I, actually, the line's not bad, guys. I mean, it's basically even money, right? So you're getting this guy who's coming off a great win against Weber. I mean, he's a big underdog, obviously, plus 380. But he looked good in that fight, man. He definitely is a decent fighter. And I mean, this guy, you know, he, he does. He has lots of decent guys. He fought Kevin Krug, who's in the UFC now, obviously. But, you know, that layoff, year and a half, that's a long layoff. And the record, five and three is not good. So I, I have to look a little bit deeper into it. But I, I'm with AJ on this one. I think there's value on, on the spike favorite, AJ. I got to be honest. Minus 125 is. It's cheap for this guy. So and they're talking about Isaiah Hockett. That was the guy's name. He was like minus, I want to say like minus 800 AJ and he got like starched <laughs> like really quick. So that's yeah. the risk, right? And I know a lot of people that night, I can't remember who else was on the card, but they had parlayed like five or six of the favorites and they're the first leg ends up getting KO'd about 10 seconds. So that's the risk you take. Um, let's talk about this one. Diana Absa. Uh, Afsar uh, Garova against Gabriella Golfin, and she she struggled to make weight if I'm not mistaken, but ended up making it, so that's a good thing. But did struggle a little bit with scale, but still huge favorite to AJ. You got minus 1100 on the favorite, plus 700 on the dog. I mean, I expect this girl to roll. What do you think? Yeah, our Afsar Garova, she's just such a talented prospect, and uh, I mean, we'd like to see her tested a little bit more ideally. And but to be honest, man, I always think she's got more upside than a fighter such as Valley Laredo did, you know, even prior to her recent loss. I just, the eye test, she passes it more for me. She's really dangerous, uh, fast, explosive athlete. And I think that she's just going to rack up some wins here. And um, when she gets a big step up in comp, uh, maybe, you know, I think twice about picking her. But I mean, honestly, man, she's just, she's doing her thing and she's, you love to see it. So yeah, yeah. she probably goes out here and wins. Yeah, I think so. I mean, she's a big favorite. Maybe finishes the fight. She looked amazing in the last fight. Um, only three fights as a pro, so I, I'm okay with the slow matchmaking. Uh, you know what? This girl, Golfin, like, she's not as bad, I think, as maybe people think. She has fought good, talented fighters. I mean, Aaron Blanchfield's obviously in the UFC now. She lost to her. This girl, Jasmine uh, Jassa Duvicious, she's from Canada. She's from Ontario, where I live. She's a great prospect that's going to be in the UFC soon. So those aren't bad losses. And this girl right here, Jennifer... Uh, the Castillo, I know you look at a record, you're like, oh, okay, why are you even looking at this girl, Adam? This is Corey Anderson's wife. This is actually Corey Anderson's wife in the UFC. So she's wow. actually a fighter as well. Yeah, that's his wife. Um, I know her because she used to train at Rufus Sport way back in the day. 
and went by this name instead. And I, I follow her on Twitter for, for many years. So she's actually married to Corey Anderson now. So she has some experience, but again, you know, it's a good, I think it's actually a decent um, fight just because she's only has three fights as a pro. So you're fighting someone with four fights, but I expect her to roll AJ. I just think it's a, it's not a terrible match. I'm not going to complain about the matchmaking in that one. You won't hear me complaining like this one though. I mean, I, and Pavlo, I want to hear your thoughts because I like Cody a lot too, but the matchmaking here, guys, I mean, five, three, no, I get it. Only three, no against one old guy, but, Again, AJ, look at the odds on this one. And this is the one just standing out to you. Minus 1,100. Cody Law's last fight, minus 1,100. Fight before that, minus 400. Fight before that, minus 1,400. So this guy is an absolute monster favorite every time he fights. And I'm assuming you're going to like him in this one too, right? Yeah, all aboard the Cody Law hype train, I I suppose, right? He's just going to come in as a big favorite, I would think, every time up until he loses or has a competitive fight. Because why would people think otherwise to to bet against him? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think he wins here. Better fighter bright prospect uh yeah could do so in dominant fashion i don't know if a finish happens here or not just not enough data but uh it's certainly in play anytime there's a mismatch in skill uh, finish could come to fruition hey this is the thing like this guy here, this is the problem i have with this fight number one this guy literally they don't even know which show this guy fought on there's no there's no like it doesn't show what card this guy had the win on so he beats the guy with the owner record 36 seconds literally two years ago july 2019 and then they bring him in to fight their top prospect. Yeah. I mean, what's the under? Let's take a look at the under. <laughs> That's the way to look at this one. Let's take a look at it. Cody Law inside the distance. Minus 110. I mean, that's that's a decent line. You've got to finish on Cody Law. I think he finishes the fight, AJ. Finding a guy that's never – he hasn't fought in Bellator. Fought one guy's – I actually like that line, AJ. I don't know. I, typically, I'm not a huge prop guy. I'm just saying, like, instead of betting minus 1100, I'd rather bet minus 110. Would you? Yeah, I mean, straight up, but I mean, the I risk just, of the decision, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's more like I just don't even know if there's value on that, you know, because I just there's not enough information out there to suggest one way or another. So, I mean, there could be. I mean, we could see Cody go out here and just choke him out in 20 seconds, or we could just see. Um, Theodoro here just look ultra tough for 15 minutes. There's really no way for for me, at least, to know uh, one way or another. Fair enough. I just think that, again, we talked about this a little while ago, like these situations where there is such a giant mismatch in skill. And I think the wrestling is going to be a huge difference in this fight, AJ. I expect this guy to get smashed. Pavlo says he thinks Cody's going to finish him. Dan Lambert, he's the ATT owner, said that Cody's a feature champ. Yeah, he's great. There's some really good fighters in that. That camp's amazing. Um, for my money, AJ, uh, maybe the best camping, it's definitely top three. You like a, I mean, you're a big fan of American Top Team, I'm assuming, as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always been big on them. They've yeah. gone on win streaks time and time again. I think who you train with is super important. It, it really is. And, you know, we saw that against uh, with the Connor and Dustin fight because, you know, Connor or Dustin's, you know, he's sharpening iron against iron every day in that gym, whereas Connor's the big fish in a small pond, AJ. And I think at this point, at this evolution of the sport in 2021, you can't be doing that anymore. you got to be training with killers every day to get better. All right, the next fight here, Ronnie Marks against Sade Salma. And I believe Marks is making his Bellator debut now, if I'm not mistaken. He was supposed to fight Josh Barnett. Oh, he, sorry, he fought Linton Vassal. The Josh Barnett fight got canceled a few times. Um, odds for this one, AJ, minus uh, 200 for Sade Salwa and Ronnie Marks plus 170. So the Lion actually has Salwa as the favorite, which means it flipped completely because um, Ronnie Marks opened as the 2-1 to one favorite. So the Lions flipped her, AJ. You got Salwa as the, as the favorite. I guess people are just fading Ronnie Marks. What do you think, man? I mean, I get it, Marks. I mean, I get it from both perspectives. The odds maker, open Marks, he's much more proven and tested and all that sort of thing. But I think a lot of people may have come in on Soma. Maybe they like him stylistically, but also Marks seems to be on a decline. 
I watched this fight with Vassal. He didn't look good there. I know Vassal's a very proven guy, but just how he got smashed on the ground there wasn't the best look considering Mark excels as a, or excuse me, Mark A's excels as a uh, submission grappler. And so, I mean, I see the angle. I just have a tougher time reading this fight. I am going to pick Soma just because he's looked better of the two recently. But stylistically, I don't think it's a terrible fight for Marks. But because um, I, I didn't, I mean, you know, going to decision with Tyrell Fortune, and we'll talk about him later. I mean, that's impressive in itself. But I mean, Soma didn't really, he didn't really show me a whole lot in that fight. So I hope he looks better. I hope he proves me wrong and comes in looking like an improved fighter. But I'm not ready to just jump aboard the Soma train uh, just yet, even though I'm going to pick him to win. I actually kind of agree with on this one. I, I, I think the odds makers. I think they might have been right by opening Marks as the favorite. I mean, the guy is much more experienced and proven, but he is on a massive decline. So I could see the angle of people fading him at the same time. Um, I guess I would even I I, I don't want to bet on Ronnie Marks, but I do think it is a, a, a dog pass situation because of the line. Um, I just I know he looked good. The Salvo guy against uh, Fortune lost the fight, but he looked decent. Um, it's just that Marks again is so experienced. But to be honest with you, these people might have actually been like, whoever bet on him early. And got the plus money they might have been on the right track with this one but for me at the current line i would say it's longer pass but man ronnie marks i remember this guy came to the ufc and he had so much hype behind him and he had a couple wins in a row agent he gets, he gets fed to you all remember and tiago santos just never recovered from those losses and he was a massive favorite against santos minus 800 and lost got body kicked and i guess romero was your favorite oh he's a small underdog that's crazy looking back now i mean the guy's just on a decline. There's no doubt about it. I can't blame people, people for fading him, but at the same time, I do think the line's a little bit off now. All right, let's go to the next fight here. Um, Johnny Eblin against Travis Davis, the guy that you guys want to talk about, Johnny Eblin. I mean, this guy, he looks like Canelo Alvarez to me. I mean, he really does, right? He, he's a Canelo lookalike. Minus 650 for this guy, AJ, plus 475 for Travis Davis. And I got to be honest, I'd never heard about this guy, Travis Davis, before this card. So give me your thoughts on this one, man. Yeah, I mean, I looked into Davis, and honestly, there's just not a lot of footage of him. He looks pretty good from what I've seen. He excels as a striker. He's actually got, I mean, you could tell in Tepology, he's got a few boxing bouts. Um, he seems pretty dangerous on the feet. He's got a hard low kick. I do think he's actually a better striker than Eblin here. Eblin improving on the feet, but he still, to me, is not a comfortable striker. It was just two fights ago, he was rocked badly by uh, Taylor Johnson. He's just pretty reckless when closing the distance leaving himself open to counters. Now, I know he's coming off a knockout win. However, I'm not ready to say Eblin is a great technical striker just yet. Um, he, he could get there. He, like we said, he's training at a great camp with great fighters. But um, to say that I would confidently favor him to beat top flight fighters of this weight class in a fight contestant on the feet 15 minutes seems like a bit of a stretch. But lucky for him, he's an outstanding wrestler. This dude has the smothering wrestling style that you would love to back if you were to say, you know, just predict this guy to win, because in order to beat a guy like this, you need to keep him off of you for 15 minutes. And he is just so smothering with his chain wrestling. It's just tough to keep this guy away from you. And even a guy in Taylor Johnson, who's a strong guy, strong wrestler could not keep Evelyn away from him. So I think if Evelyn wins this fight, he's just going to dominate with takedowns and control. Maybe he gets a finish along the way as well. But I think for Davis to win, he just has to almost catch Evelyn in something. And, you know, sure, that's always possible in a fist fight, but I think we're going to see who the better round winner and more promising mixed martial artist here is, and that's Johnny Eblen. So I'm going to go with Johnny Eblen to get his hand raised by a comfortable uh, method. Uh, you're on mute again. <laughs> it's all good. Thanks, AJ. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, I, I, I agree with you on this as well. I like Eblen, but I will say, like, you know, 
I like these guys like Davis, who's been grinding for years. I mean, he's been fighting since 2010, you know, so he's been grinding a long time to get here, but he's fighting such a dominant wrestler. I just, I hate the matchup for this guy. So he's not like, I'm just looking at his record. And it's like, I, I, I respect the guys put that grind in and he has fought some okay. Comp like this guy, uh, friend was like really highly talented. Same with steel was in the UFC at some point lost to those guys though. So that's a worry, but yeah, Eblin's, I just think the wrestling will be dominated, but maybe this Davis guy, like you said, but you said the striking is really good, right? So maybe he's a little better than what we think, but the wrestling's probably going to play strongly in this fight. All right. Arlene Blencal against Diana Silva at 145, women's fight. And right now we have, okay, Blencal is actually favored, minus 150, Silva plus 130. Um, let me jump in there quickly, AJ. Um, this was a girl we talked about her last fight against Julia Budden. I know that you ended up betting on Bud. I really thought that, you know, she might have edged it out in that fight. It was super close. It was more of a bud really not being um, active, I guess. And we, had, we, I remember you had mentioned that, AJ. That was one of the, I guess, words you had that sort of being inactive on the feet. But still ended up getting the win. And we, again, we talked about this girl, all the experience she has. And I mean, I thought that she was super competitive with someone like like Bud. That's a good sign. I don't rate Blenkov that highly. And I know she's got some good boxing skills, obviously, and some some striking, but. Overall, as an MMA fighter, I think Silva's better, and I think there's value here as an underdog, AJ. So I have no idea what you're thinking, but that's my initial thoughts when I see her as an underdog, a girl that's a good, solid fighter. I think there's value here. Any thoughts? I think Silva has more favorable intangibles. She's the younger fighter, 30 compared to 38. And Blenko, I mean, she just fought for the belt, but she just got absolutely destroyed by Cyborg. So you never know how a fighter's going to respond after climbing to the top and then just getting... Uh, obliterated. I mean, because that's that fight wasn't even re remotely competitive, and it's Chris Cyborg, and I get that sort of thing, but it's still damage taken nonetheless. Um, with Silva and Bud, yeah, I mean, you said it right. It was, uh, you know, sometimes you you walk away and you you walk away a little lucky from a bet. But um, to be honest, I I got to be honest before I'm nice. I just thought it was more about what Julia Bud did wrong than what Silva did excellently. I mean, she exp she um, exceeded my expectations. Don't get me wrong, but um, I've seen this girl way too many times controlled in the clinch, get taken down, uh, get controlled on her back. And um, she's aggressive on the feet. She's a black belt in Muay Thai. She's a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, but her technique is pretty wild. And so I think it should be contested on the feet. To your point, I do think it could be close. I could see Silva winning. But when I watch them both fight, I think Blanco is a better boxer. Her technique is sharper. She's got better footwork. Um, but, you know, Silva is more likely to improve. She's, again, not coming off a beating. She is aggressive. She does come forward uh, ultra tough. So I think it is fairly, uh, you know, the, the odds being competitive are justified. I think this is as close as you could possibly get. Coin flip split decision goes to the score cards type of thing. Yeah, I think it probably goes to the cards too. Pablo thinks uh, Silva's stamp kind of weak and Garley's good in the feet. I, I, yeah, I think she's probably the better boxer with her hands, but... It is an MMA fight, and I think Silva's just a better overall mixed martial artist, you know, especially if it goes to the ground, AJ. I would assume that you have an advantage, but at the same time, like you said, um, she's not like the biggest featherweight, which worries me a little bit in the clinch and stuff like that. But I still think – I'm going to pick her. I'm going to take Silva for the upside here. I just think that, again, there's more upside here at age 30 compared to 38, and I'll take that all day. All right, Matias Matos, Mati Matos against CJ Hamilton. Excuse me. Matos minus 265, Hamilton plus 225. No, you're pretty high in this Matos guy. Give me your thoughts on this fight, man. Um, I mean, he's fought some good guys. He fought Piotrion and Magomedov, and those are his only two losses. I'm not a huge fan of his style. He he trains with the Bitbull brothers, which I like, obviously, yeah. but he's 
my biggest issue with him is I think he's best as a submission grappler, but he rarely looks to get the fight to the ground. When I watch him go to the ground, he passes guard. He's a submission threat. Everything you'd love to see out of a grappler. But this dude is so content to just stand on the outside and just fight at a slow pace. He's got good technique. He's got compelling power. But, you know, I have seen him a bit reckless in the pocket. I've seen him get rocked. I've seen him get tired. Um Hamilton's coming off a very one-sided loss to Magomedov, but on the flip side, you know, when Magomedov fought Matos, the fight wasn't remotely competitive either, even though one went to a decision and the other one was a submission. So my whole thing with this fight is we got another thing where you got Matos five years younger, more likely to improve at Bantamweight, but he's also been very inactive. He's fought like twice in the past four years or something crazy like that. He's just been so inactive as a fighter. And Hamilton's been busy. He's got his issues with like defensive grappling and um, he's just mainly a point fighter that likes to stand on the outside and throw kicks. I think favoring Matos is fine because he's the better grappler and he's more technical striker. But to say that he should be around three, four to one, wherever he is, it seems a bit outrageous in my opinion. Not that I would run to the window to bet Hamilton, but um, I, I don't trust Matos is a huge favorite, to be honest with you. I would never bet him at this line, even though I'm predicting him to win. I just think that if he doesn't get this fight to the ground and uh, dominate Hamilton or knock him out with a big shot on the feet, this fight's going to be close because they're both good athletes. They both throw with power. They're both fast. I just don't see why where one guy really blows the other out of the water unless if it goes to the ground. So um, I like Matos in this spot, but I don't love him. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, listen, like, CJ's obviously got a lot of experience, guys, and he's fought some good guys, and most of his losses are, like, really good guys. Like, <laughs> I mean, Casey Kenny on Contender Series, for instance, had he won that fight, he'd be in the UFC, right? So the guy's clearly talented, but, man, that last fight was such a wash. Um, and that, I mean, they had, what, they had the same opponent, right? And you saw the difference. Again, matchups are everything, but I just, I think the durability of this guy's a bit of a concern. He's been finished quite often, two, three what, three, three, four finishes against him. So that worries me a little bit. I just think a general Matos will probably be just a bit too strong and stuff, but we'll see. I mean, maybe it's going to be a little more competitive than what I'm thinking it's going to be, but I, I think Matos wins. Um, Pavlo says, Hamilton's faster. I can see Hamilton catching him. Yeah, and again, he's got a lot of experience too. All right, let's go to the next two. Uh, I think we got two fights left, right? Tyrell mm -hmm. Fortune, Matt Mitchell. Okay, I got to ask you this. I don't know if you saw the clip going around. Did you see the clip going around of some reporter asking Mitchell a stupid question? Did you see this? Yeah, I saw it. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I'll give my thoughts inside. Anything? Uh, no. I mean, it's just I mean, MMA media just never. It's it just it's one of those things. Just expect the unexpected with this sport, and you know, you just just kind of. I just kind of accepted it at this point. So yeah, fair enough. I mean, I work in the media, right? So it's like I, I don't want to say anything bad about anyone because this is not. It's not the easiest job. It, it's not as easy as people think to interview these guys because, especially if you're new at this, like it could be a little intimidating. But at the same time. Number one, these guys, I don't think they were there. They were on Zoom. So you should have had, like, the question written down. There's no reason you shouldn't have had it. Like, if, you, if it's in person, I can see it. You're, you know, you're thinking on the feet. But this guy had tons of time to ask a question and then had, ends up getting his record wrong, says Matt's 0-5 in his last five, which isn't true because he's 0-3-1, which is a complete – sorry, 1-3-1, which is a 1-3-1 no contest, actually, which is a completely different record. So this guy has quickly looked at his topology and assumed that was an 0-5 record in me, which is just embarrassing. And then Matt called him out in his bullshit, which I'm glad to see. So, I mean, listen, I, I've been called by fighters too and asked dumb questions. I mean, you know, don't ask them little questions. You learn from it. Hopefully this kid learns from it. 
But yeah, my return comes in here. I mean, he's got a big chip on his shoulder, AJ. It's pretty clear, right? Like he's he's on a losing skid. He's got to win this fight against Terrell Fortune. But Mitron is a big underdog here. Minus 350 for Terrell, plus 290 for Meathead. I got to be honest, AJ, I'm a huge Meathead fan, but I don't know if this goes well for him. What are you thinking here, man? Yeah, um, I think it depends on Fortune's game plan. If he wants to get this fight to the ground, I don't see why he can't. He's a much better wrestler than Matt, and we've seen Matt struggle on the ground more than once. He's always been a re-grappler off of his back. You could just go back to his last fight against Timothy Johnson where he couldn't defend himself from ground and pound. <laughs> the, the issue, though, becomes I know that he, I know Fortune fought well against May. That was a good game plan, but there's other fights of him in the past, and I hope he's overcome this hurdle, but he's content to stand. And he was content to stand with Timothy Johnson, and then Timothy Johnson knocked him out. Um, he doesn't do a good job of moving his head to his fortune. Uh, he leaves his hands down as he exits the pocket. Um, he's a young guy. He's getting better. I hope that this stuff improves, but I'm not ready to say he's a polished striker yet. I do favor Matt on the feet. He should be faster. Um, he's got a, a little bit of a reach on fortune, about three and a half inches. Uh, Mitch has got some power. So even though he's on a losing streak and I mean, I do have concerns about, you know, his re regression with his age. He's now 43. I think he's third 43 today, actually. Um, I mean, he can land a knockout shot, but if he doesn't land the knockout shot on the feet, I just think we're going to see a fortune here, duck under for a double leg, get in a dominant position and just pound away with a ground and pound stoppage. I'm a huge Matt Mitchell fan, man. I, I love the guy. I mean, I think the guy's had a kind of an underrated career for a guy that came out of football with like what? No fights for a guy to, to achieve as much as he had. That's pretty good, man. For a guy who's a former NFL player to get all these wins on his resume, like Fedor, Derek Lewis, Gabriel Gonzalez. I mean, that's a good resume. So he's a good fire agent, but I do think he's past his prime now, guys. And age 43, like AJ said, it's his birthday today. That's not a good sign. So he definitely has a puncher's chance. We know that because he's like he said in the in the interview, AJ, I throw hands, son. The guy's like, How are you gonna beat him? He's like, I throw hands, son. <laughs> but that was so jokes. I mean, that's all he's gonna win. Just like he did to Fedor, just faster knock you out. There's enough of a worry with this guy's chain age and striking defense, AJ, where I wouldn't lay the juice, but I expect him to take down Mitchell. Mitchell's takedown defense is not good, guys. I mean, even Roy Nelson was having a little success with him on the ground. So, yeah, AJ, it just, it's it's a fade on Mitchell's takedown defense. It's just too poor for me to, to pick. But as a fan of as a fan of the guy, I love the guy. I would, I'd, I'd love to see him go out there and get a knockout and then call a fade or something for a rematch or something like that. You know, be cool. All right, main event time, AJ. Julian Velasquez against Denise Kielholtz. And I got to give my boy, Big Marcelo, some credit here. He's been banging the drum on Denise for a long time. She's obviously Dutch just like him. He's been telling about her for a long time, um, AJ. He's like, you got to watch this girl. She's going to be good. So she gets a title shot here against Velasquez, dominant fighter in Bellator. Right now, AJ, minus 400 for the champion, minus, uh, plus 325 for the challenger. Give me your thoughts on the main event of Bellator 262. Yeah. Um, when I was watching Velasquez fight, I thought she – well, this is before I would watch any footage of her. I thought she was going to look a lot more dominant than I found out she was. She's pretty content to just play the counter game. And I mean, she's good at it. She throws with power. She's technically she's good technically, um, and she's also very strong for this weight class. But when you're fighting at such a slow pace, it could just confuse the judges sometimes. Because if the opposition is just more willing to throw offense at you, you might just give away rounds by accident. And that's kind of what I thought happened against McFarland. I mean, I still think it's fair that she won rounds one and three through McF uh, against McFarland. But I think you could make a case that McFarland edged those rounds. Um, Kielholtz is aggressive. That's what I like about her. She's she's a six-time world kickboxing champion. She's a black belt in judo. Um, Velasquez is also a black belt in judo. She comes forward. She's got fast hands. She's got power in her hands. 
and uh, she comes to fight. Keelholtz offensively is a problem. She's got a double leg takedown, body lock takedown. In the top position, she's a submission threat. Uh, her issues pop up, uh, pop up Excuse me, in the defensive side of things. Watching her crash the pocket. Chin is high, just kind of sw swings wildly, just head hunts sloppily. Um, even on the ground. I've seen her get her back taken multiple times because she goes for the head and arm throw. I've seen her get submitted by Veda Ortega in the clinch. So she's she's definitely got some serious offensive threats. But I worry about Velasquez because, you know, even though gr grappling isn't Velasquez's plan A game plan, she's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, and she's going to be the larger fighter here, more, more physically compelling. If she, for whatever reason, gets on top of Kielholtz, in the top position on the ground, she could that could just be a round. I mean, she could get around a dominant round or even a submission. I've just seen Keelholtz put in way too many bad spots on the ground to um, make me nervous if she could really do anything with like escaping back mount or something like that. So, despite the wide odds, I do consider Keelholtz a live underdog. I just I think she's got enough tools offensively to make this fight close, if not win. Um, and, and she fights at a higher pace and, and is probably the more the fighter more willing to go for takedown. So. There's just not enough, like for me to say that there's like quote unquote value on his line, on her line, excuse me, there would be, there would need to be more evidence. And this might be, Velasquez might just be too physical for her is one thing I worry about. And then the other thing is she might be too big of a step up in comp because even though Denise is on this incredible winning streak and um, she's done so in emphatic fashion with finishes, she hasn't faced a, a fighter like Velasquez yet. And Velasquez by far has the best win up combine both of them McFarland is a better a far better win than any of them have combined so I'm picking Velasquez here but I, I don't agree with the line I think that this these odds should be a bit closer um I wouldn't be surprised to see Keelholtz even win here I think she's really tough um uh, I would be surprised if uh you know if she's if she doesn't get finished she uh you know doesn't have some some good moments here a few of them sprinkled in so um I I like Velasquez in the spot but I, I don't love her uh against Keelholtz uh yeah third time it happened again yeah <laughs> you're good i just don't want to interrupt you so my bad um i think it's a good fight when you get these comments pablo says the thing with juliana doesn't use her ground game up he mean you mean her she loves to stand up yeah that's that's the one thing because i think that in this fight if she did pursue grappling like a grappling heavy gameplay even though keolt is a good grappler too i think that would be the easiest path to victory i think because keolt has a lot of experience on the feed and I know Velasquez can hang on the feet too. I think, I think it's a competitive fight. I think four to one's a little excessive. I kind of agree with you, AJ. But at the same time, I got to go with the champ, man. I got to be honest with you. Like, I wasn't sure if she would beat McFarlane gets a different matchup. McFarlane maybe not as, like, dangerous as a finisher. But that is a good win for me. That was the first loss that girl had. And she was a really good champ for a long time. To me, that's a quality win. And it showed me that this girl's she's quite good. So I'm going to – I'll lean towards the champ, obviously. She's a big favorite for a reason. But – you know, I, I guess I feel a little better about her than, than you, but I do like Keelholtz too. Don't get me wrong. And if Marcel comes out, if, if she wins, Marcel's going to come here Monday, sort of banging the drum for her. So looking forward to that. All right. Um, I mean, that's it for Belter 262. I think anything else you want to talk about with this card before we move on or. No. Um, well, the card after this, we got Pipple versus McKee, which is an incredible fight. So um, even though that this fight, uh, this card maybe didn't deliver um, in the best way we had hoped for, we got uh an incredible card the week after we even got mad mads or not the week after but later the month we got mads brunel versus emmanuel sanchez uzman or maga madoff is fighting on that card magomed magomedoff is on that card brent primis is on the card georgie caracani alejandro laura um dude like yeah this card 
Belter 263 right after this is incredible. I'm just looking at it right now. I mean, this that card's dope. Yeah, it's, I mean, I can't wait for that main event. So it's, it's a good fight. But even the Bernal Sanchez fight, that's a fire fight. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's a good card, man, for sure. And that's on July 30th, 31st. So um, that's a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so they're going to go head-to-head -head with the UFC. That's interesting. They're going head-to-head -head that night, AJ, with the uh, – what card is it? It's all a great card, right? Sean Strickland and Uriah Hall, I think. Is that the card? I believe. Let me see. Who knows the card? Let me double check. Uh, yeah, it is. UFC and ESPN 28. So you got Hall and oh, you also got Du Choi, Munar Lazes. I mean, like, <laughs> it's they're both good. They're both good card. Like they're both decent. You know, so, not like the biggest names, but yeah, Mauchi also. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised when he lost that last fight, wasn't it? That was a big surprise. That card looks good, and I like that they're getting these guys fights like more often now because obviously last year. It hurt a lot of guys in this promotion, AJ. They barely ran any events. I can't like did they even have events last year? I can't remember. It wasn't very many. But yeah, I can't wait for that card. Um, all right. Uh let me get your let me get your dog of the week for, for UFC if that's if you do you even have a dog of the week? Because you look at this card, I mean, there is a lot of chalk on this card. Like we we do criticize the Bellator card sometimes for being chalk heavy. The UFC card is, although not to the extent Bellator is, but is there anyone you have as dog of the week? I'll give out one. I have one, but do you have one, AJ? Or do you want some more time to think about it while I, while I give mine? Well, even if you gave me more time, I wouldn't have one because I've only researched three fights. It's been a pretty busy week for me. Um, I plan on finishing out my research uh, today and tomorrow. But uh, to your point, there are a lot of untrustworthy favorites and, mm -hmm. you know, fights that could realistically go either way. We're coming off a big pay-per-view where there's more proven fighters. But on a fight night like this, you just don't have some of the resumes. But um, I'm curious to hear who your dog of the week is. I think it's going to be a, a chalk heavy card, like expected, as, as you can see with the line. And there will probably be a couple upsets we didn't see coming. I mean, half these guys are minus 300. Are all the minus 300 favorites going to win? Probably not. Because like AJ said, a guy like, for instance, Rodrigo Nascimento, like that guy's not really the most proven guy. You know, he should win his fight, but not the most proven. The one dog that I like, and uh, Marcel also actually agreed with me on this. So I, was, I was glad to hear that. The line's dropped since, since we both picked it at plus 160, but... Even at plus 130, I like Billy Quarantillo a little bit over uh, Gabriel Benitez, AJ. I think it's a close fight, but for me, Benitez is definitely the most dangerous guy as far as like the first round goes with the finishing, but overall, I think Billy's got the better cardio. Yeah, I think he's pretty tough, and I think he can go three rounds of win decision, and I like the fact he has had eye surgery and fixed his eyesight. That is huge for a fighter, you know? Not wearing contacts now, actually gets to see his opponent. That's huge. I think on a card with a lot of chalk, I had to look deep, and I think that's one dog I like. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that fight, but do you have any any thoughts on that? Me and Marcel both like him, though. Yeah, well, Billy Quarantillo can never be counted out with just his pressure and cardio. Um, it's second to none. And I think favoring Benitez as a technical striker is fair. He's just better with his kicks and his boxing and that sort of thing. But um, Billy Q walking him down, I mean, he doesn't necessarily need to be the better technical striker to win. Billy is the better submission grappler, but I've always had concerns about his wrestling and it came to fruition when he mm -hmm. fought Gavin Tucker. Um, it even came to fruition against Spike Carl, even though he he won the fight. But um, I don't know, man. I mean, I think I think he could win, but I think Benitez is the rightful favorite. I just think in a fight that should be contested on the feet, Benitez is, is the better striker and who's more dangerous. No, I, I agree he's a more dangerous guy, no doubt about it. We saw against Justin James, but again, like this is a guy that his record in the UFC is not great. He doesn't he has a lot of losses, and I just I don't know. Like he just had that fight with JSP fault where he had that bad weight cut. I don't even know if this guy's going to make weight, quite frankly. Also, it's kind of it's kind of weird that this guy got a fight before the JSP guy did. Remember, the JSP guy was the one who said, I don't want to fight the guy. He missed weight. I don't want to fight him. It's almost like the UFC matchmakers are punishing that kid 
Because we're like, hey, you didn't accept the fight. You took a fight off the card. We're going to give Benitez a fight before you do, which is kind of bizarre. Anyways, I, I mean, I, I think you're right, AJ, and that it's supposedly going to be chalk winning. But I'm just saying, like, if I had to look deep, and that is one dog that I do like a little bit. Although, like AJ said, there are a couple of other competitive fights on this card as well. Um, just before we get out of here, AJ, there, there, I want to mention this LFA card. Um, if you go to MMA Oddsbreaker, you can see my preview, um, the opening odds for them. But there's two LFA cards this weekend I want to highlight quickly. On Friday, there's LFA 111. It's in Brazil. It's taking place in Rio. So that's kind of cool. Um, there are some guys in this card that are worth po uh, pointing out, such as the Airy Farius guy who I mentioned, who's coming off a win over Johnny Eblin, where he, he ripped his ear off in that Tor FC promotion, which was good. Um, but the card I'm looking forward to is actually the, the other one on Sunday, LFA 12 AJ. It's a one-night welterweight tournament. Um, with a mm. bunch of Brazilian guys that they're all like jungle fight veterans, they're all like shooto Brazil veterans. And if you look at these guys' records, they're like maybe they're not the most um, noteworthy guys, but they've fought a lot of guys that we've heard of. So there's something to like about this uh, this card. I actually like Ruiz, the Mexican lady. Mexicans are hot in MMA right now. He's saying Montserrat Ruiz. Have you broke down that fight at all? I don't know if you have any thoughts on that one. I, Limos is one of the biggest favorites in the card. I mean, the physical advantage, I would assume, would be huge. But Montserrat's a, a gamer, no doubt about it, with that head and arm choke. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that move's going to work. I think she's kind of a one-trick pony a little bit. Any thoughts? Yeah, it's funny. I actually just looked into that one before we got on. Um, there you, go. you know, Ruiz just held buys in the, in the headlock, you know? I mean, yeah. that, that got her a win, but I don't think that that's indicative of her winning, you know, the rest of her fights in the UFC. I think favoring Lemos is fair. She's a better striker, more powerful, more technical, faster as well. Ruiz doesn't have good striking defense. I think it's actually Canejo. Well, they, they called her a few different last names. I don't yes. know, Ruiz Canejo. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah, uh, Lemos, clear boxing advantage in my opinion. And I think Ruiz's best bet, honestly, is to push Lemos against the fence. Mm -hmm. Like we that saw, girl uh, Inoue did, right? I think that's who it was. Was it? Yeah. Mizuki, Mizuki yeah. Inoue. Yeah, that would probably be Ruiz's best bet. If she wants to play the head and arm game, th uh, excuse me, head and arm throw game, that could work, but that could also put her in serious trouble because she's at the risk of giving up her back. And Lemos is a legit submission grappler. I've seen her go for the previous necktie on the regional scene years ago. So she's only gotten better since uh, Ruiz might risk giving up her back and giving up a rear naked choke. So, um, of course, anybody has a chance. I, I just laid out a path of victory for Ruiz. She could she could clinch her and, and hold her there. That could help her win. But I think Lemos is the rightful favorite here. Yeah, I think she deserves a, a decent sized favorite. I mean, she looked so dominant in the last fight. Um, we've got a few minutes, but we'll get out of here, I guess, sooner. I uh, just want to see if there's any news from today that I missed. Um, let me double check here. Uh, let's see. Um, I mean, not, not a lot. I mean, I'm looking forward to this. I guess my, the last question before we get out of here, AJ, um, just your thoughts on the main event because for this weekend's UFC card, uh, Islam and uh, Tiago Moises. Because I was going to say, I just wrote an article on Dan Hooker who talked to my boy James Lynch. He goes, what do you think of this fight? And he's like, I honestly have never seen this guy fight before. I have no idea who Tiago Moises is. But he goes, I'll fight Islam if he beats him. So I was like, okay, cool. But I think Moises is a good, young, improving fighter. I just think the grappling, the defensive grappling is going to be an issue. We saw it against Benil Darius. We saw it even against Bobby Green a little bit. I expect Islam to be grappling heavy. I don't know if he finishes, but I, I do expect him to win still. The line's obviously pointing that way. Your thoughts, AJ, last thing we'll talk about today. Yeah, um, it's pretty crazy. You know, I remember I bet Islam against Dober, and he was like a, around minus 300, and now he's over minus 6-1 to one against Moises. It's pretty crazy no, considering... Like centrally, uh, right? Like, I, I was thinking that the other day. I think in general, Moises doesn't get a lot of respect. If you look at his betting lines, he's been the underdog, mm -hmm. I think, in three or four straight fights, but... 
there was a lot of people hyping up Dober in that last fight with that left hand, and I, I didn't see it. I thought there was huge value on Islam. At, like, I think he was four to, three or four to one. He should have been eight to one. So sorry to cut you off there. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the line, it, it seems a little high compared to what that was, right? Yeah, considering Moises is is much more confident, excuse me, competent on the ground than than Dober is. Uh, Moises is a legit black belt. Not that I'm expecting him to go out here and submit Islam, but in terms of you know not giving up positional advancement on the ground, not giving up um, you know a stoppage or anything like that, that he puts himself in a better position. But to your point, got to favor Islam here. He's the better wrestler. He should be able to control where the fight goes. Uh, seen his, or excuse me, seen Moises rather taken down by Kurt Hollabaugh. You mentioned Darius and the um, there was another fight in there. He got Bobby Green. So yeah, Makashev is. I put out a statement on Twitter. Uh, he is the best lightweight in the UFC, in my humble opinion, because not because of who he's fought, but because of his skill set. I always analyze fighters based on their skill set because they're only going to fight who they're put in front of. So if they, if, and he's been going, he's been dominating everybody that that's been put in front of. So I can't hold that against him. He got knocked out quickly by Martins. That was years ago. He's gotten better since we talked about earlier with Eblin to beat a guy like, like Islam, you got to knock him out on the feet. Otherwise he's just going to overwhelm you with them takedowns and in control time. I mean, that win over Armin Tarukian is going to age. It's already aged well, but it's going to age even better because I mean, I know, I know he's not on this card, but Armin Tarukian is another top five lightweight, in my opinion. So these guys are so dominant with their style. And um, whether or not Islam wins or loses here, I just think that the prototype of the fight that he is, he does have championship level upside. He should go out here and win this fight. But to your point, Islam, or, uh, excuse me, Moises, for whatever reason, is, is very underrated from the betting community. People often bet against him. Mm-hmm. I bet on him against MJ. I didn't bet on him against Green, but I acknowledge that he could have made that fight very close, and he did. Um, but yeah, he's definitely going to be game here. I don't think Islam finishes Moises, okay. but I do think he goes out here, wins some rounds with some top control, and uh, probably wins a wrestling, grappling-based decision. Yeah, I'm in a pool where um, with a bunch of friends, and you have to pick the method too. So you get double points for main events, and I'm just like, this is his first five-round fight. I still think he's probably going to win decision. So I'm actually with you. I see a lot of people saying he's going to finish Moises, but Moises defensively should be able to kind of thwart the, the submission attempts. And I think he can maybe survive the, the, the 25, but we'll see. I mean, it's five rounds. Pablo thinks the Misha odds are great. I mean, they are, but she hasn't fought in five years. So it's a huge risk. Um, that's the problem with that fight. But definitely, I mean, she's she should be the favorite there. Any LFA picks, fights to watch. Really no picks, man. I have like, But if you go to uh, maoddsbreaker.com, I did. Um, you know, I have all the odds there. Some initial thoughts on the fights. But I would say that car on Sunday, that whole card, because it's a one-night tournament, car new welterweight champion. The winner of that tournament will almost assuredly be in the UFC one day. So keep your eye out. They love the LFA. They love the LFA fighters, uh, AJ. I think it's the official feeder league, if I'm not mistaken. So UFC always plucking guys from this progen. AJ, I think that's it for today, man. Appreciate all the guys. Everyone who asked a question today, appreciate it. AJ, thanks again, man, for joining me to talk about Bellator. Please plug your stuff, man, everything you got going on. Tell the people where it is. Yeah, Daily Fan MMA contributing there. I just posted the Bellator content earlier this week. Apologize for the delay. I was traveling to and from Vegas this week. Uh, Working through it, though, no excuses. Plan on researching the rest of the card. Uh, We'll start posting bets on Daily Fan MMA and BetMMA.tips. You can always follow me on Twitter at AJMMABetting. Pleasure to do do this with you, Adam, as always. And uh, thanks, as always, for everybody contributing in the comments section and, and watching. I appreciate that as well, man. And uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at MMAdamMartinPodcast, MMAoddsBreaker.com. It's on our YouTube channel, Spotify, iTunes, all those places you want to download it. I'm also available at BJPen.com, MiamiNews.com, and uh, Elite Fantasy, Elite Sports Betting. Have my DFS full breakdown for the card tomorrow at Elite uh, Fantasy. And then 
my bets for the card. Um, probably just have a few bets on this card. I mean, like it's it's a card with a lot of chalk, and I'm not a huge chalk guy, but I mean, I'll definitely see some spots. So talk about it for sure. And Pavlo mentioned this guy Wrangle is really good. So yeah, I think that card's gonna be awesome. That, remember, guys, that LFA card is quite good. So if you're looking for something to do on Sunday night, that would be the card to watch. AJ, thanks again, man. Talk. To, take care, everyone. Talk to you later, bye.